things we like. Y'all have obviously ascribed some worth to the Tarkins. I mean, I know some of y'all are crazy, and y'all sit at home and yell at your TV, and you go nuts when your team's playing, and when they win, you just lose your mind, but you ascribe some worth. That's important to you, right? We ascribe worth, obviously, to some football. All those things that we just talked about, it means something to you. Like, I ascribe worth to stretchy jeans. I mean, seriously, y'all. This is the best thing you make since sliced bread. Because as you can see, somebody says, man, I like your shirt. And I said, I remember when this shirt used to be big on me. And I filled it out, you know. But man, I, I thank you. Whoever made these stretchy jeans, I appreciate it. I, I appreciate it. I, I did a wedding uh, just a few weeks ago. And uh, we were getting ready to go. And I started going suits. I ain't tried on a suit in a long time. I started laying suits. I just laid one out and I thought, well, that's, you know, I'll wear that one. It's been a while since I put on a suit. I threw one out and Michelle was getting ready and she was frustrated with herself. Nothing was looking good on her. She didn't know what to wear. And I thought, well, I'm just going to get dressed. I so helped me all put on, I put on the pants. I pulled them up. And this is where it stopped. <laughs> and I mean, it could suck in enough to get those buttons. You know what I'm saying? So I said, well, this suit's obviously not going to work. So I said, I grabbed another suit and I got those out. And I thought, they were a little bit closer. A little bit closer. <laughs> but I still couldn't get the button. And I'm, I'm seriously paranoid at this time because I thought, I'm going to have nothing to wear. And I'm officiate this wedding. And I've got no time to buy another suit. So I have one more shot. I have one more suit in the closet. If I was going to wear a suit, it's gonna, this one was going to have to work for me. Okay? So I grab that suit. I get it out. So help me. I, I got it buttoned, but it was very tight. Hey, if my pants would pull apart and put somebody's eyeball on <laughs> So Michelle's in the closet, or she's over there in the bathroom frustrated because her hair's not doing good, and I'm going to keep it. <laughs> and I finally, finally get them buttoned. But I, I show some worth, some gratitude for stretchy jeans. For stretchy jeans. You can be fat and wear some stretchy jeans. So I'm grateful. <laughs> I got a guess on that one. I'm grateful. Uh, for that. But, uh, we do have the newlyweds back with us uh, this Sunday. Brooks and Stephanie, would you stand? Would you give these guys a hand? Yeah. I didn't know I was going to do that. They probably are hating me now. But anyhow, we sang that song because the Bible tells us we're going to pick right up where Brent left off last week. If you remember the message last week, it was the Holy Spirit is greater than spirits. Do not be drunk with wine, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. We're going to pick right up in Ephesians 5, 19 through 20. It says, singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts 
and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's a good word. That's a good word. So today I want to talk to you about this word, worship. This word is controversial word, worship. Because I'm afraid in our, in our society, in our culture today, in our churches, we've gotten this word so messed up.
watch, we come and we listen to the preacher and we do not participate. And so therefore, we've got a messed up theology of what worship really means. A.W. Tozer said that worship was the missing jewel in the evangelical church. How true. None of us should be spectators. All of us should be participants in the worship of God. All of us. I read the story of one time of a pastor that noticed this little boy. His name was Johnny. He was standing in the foyer. He was looking up at the wall. There was a, a, a plaque hanging on the church wall in the foyer. And the young boy, seven years old, had been staring at the plaque for some time. So the pastor walked up and stood beside him and, and gazing up at the plaque, he said quietly, Good morning, son. Good morning, Pastor, replied the young boy, not taking his eyes off the plaque. He said, Sir, what is that? Well, son, these are the people who have died in the service, replied the pastor. Soberly, they stood staring up at the large plaque. Little Johnny's voice barely broke the silence when he asked quietly, Which one, sir? The 830 or the 1030? <laughs> you see, we certainly don't want anyone dying in our services. <laughs> but we're all to be participants. John 4.23, Jesus said to the Samaritan woman, he said, but the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. The time is coming, listen, and is now that he's looking for true worshipers. True worshipers, not ones that just go through the motions, but true worshipers. I had, we had shirts made for the worship team not too long ago that had true worshipers on it, and I was going to wear it, but it's hanging in there with those suits. <laugh<laughs> but true worshipers. Okay, we're to be true worshipers. If Jesus says that uh, we're to be true worshipers, he's seeking true worshipers, then that must mean that even in his day, there was some false stuff. There was, some, there was some messed up ways of thinking about worship going on, even in Jesus' day. So, Jesus is calling us to be true worshipers. So, we want to dive right in, and we want to see exactly what God expects from us as true worshipers. First, I think it's important that we talk about what worship is not. Okay? What worship is not. Worship is not an event. Okay, we can have a worship service and not worship. Don't you agree? Yeah. We can come to church and we can attend uh, a worship service. And, and, and we call this a worship service. It's a worship center, our sanctuary, which means place of worship. And still not worship our Lord. Jesus echoed these words when he spoke to the Jews of his day. He said, uh, these people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. You know anybody like that? Okay. Worship is not music. How many of you know 
He don't need no music to worship. Not enough of you don't need, need to know. You need to know. You don't need no music to worship. Man, you should be able to worship the Lord right where you sit. You should be able to worship the Lord in your car going down the road all by yourself. We don't need music. We may sing hymns of worship. We may sing praise and worship courses. But having music does not guarantee our worship. Uh, music is only a vehicle that should lead us into worship. And if it's not leading us into worship, then we should be singing. So I'd like to have a song that you clap your hands to and have a little good time and have a little fun with. But ultimately, we better get to leading us to worship. That's the idea. That's the plan. You know, I used to, I, I've shared a little bit about my history before, but I, I was a Southern, I say Southern gospel music for many years with my in-laws. And uh, never knew, you know, I could sing. I, I didn't sing at all until my father-in-law put me on the spot one day. And uh, I don't know if I've ever shared this story, but we were, we were vacationing in Maryland, Ocean City, Maryland. That's where he was from. And my mother-in-law and father-in-law would always go to his home church and sing the special. And so we were on our way to the special. We were on our way to church that morning. Wayne and Sandra were in the front seat and they were singing their song that they were going to sing when they got there. And I'm just in the back seat singing along. And he said, he turned around to me and said, you can sing that song. And I said, no, no, what song? <laughs> I said, that song, what we're singing, you can sing that, you can sing that. I said, wait, no, brother, no, 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 not singing the song, okay, not singing the song. And so we get to the church, the service starts, we get to the time for special service, there's 200 people in there, and my father-in-law gets up, and he gets his microphone, and he says, we got a special guest speaking for y'all. <laughs> Calls me out in front of the whole church, and that was my debut to singing. And so we went on to sing uh, Southern gospel music from that point for 12 or 13 years. We had a bus, we had a couple of seats. I mean, it was pretty fun. It was pretty awesome. And, and I was I was saved in a Nazarene church, okay? Nazarene. Anybody heard of Nazarenes in here? Okay. We got, we got some that know Nazarenes. But Nazarenes are a lot like Wesleyans, okay? They, they're similar in background, similar in doctrine. They, they talked about merging before even in time. So uh, Nazarenes were much like this. But, man, the church I said, they were really hardcore, hard-nosed straight down the line kind of Nazarenes, you know. They didn't believe in going to the movies, uh, dancing. And man, I like to dance, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> they didn't believe in any of that stuff. And so, so when I got saved, <laughs> I did say dance good, I just said I like it. So when I got saved, I was, I was brought up in that kind of stuff. And I was brought up, and I remember, I was that person. I was that person that had sang Southern Gospel forever and, and sang hymns in the church and, and had that traditional stuff. And, and I was that person where we would go out and we would see other churches or we would go to concerts and we would see how they were worshiped. And we were like, man, how, how can that possibly be pleasing to God? 
wasn't what I was used to. It wasn't traditional or hymn life or southern gospel life. And so I was ready. My wife included. We would sit and, and talk about it. Like, how is it possible to worship God through these songs? But God has shown me over time, obviously, that worship is not music. It's not music. It's got nothing to do uh, with music. In fact, I want you to listen. How many of you heard the hymn Run Cloudy Day? Love Lifted Me. All good songs. All good songs. But there, there's a songwriter that wrote a song not too long ago. Okay? This group's name is Passion. They're a uh, contemporary modern worship group. And the first verse says something like this. Amazing love that welcomes me the kindness of mercy that bought with blood wholeheartedly my soul undeserved. Man, that's good word right there. That's good word. If you'll just, uh, if you'll just listen to the lyrics of the song, it should lead us into worship. The bridge says something like this, I am blessed, I am called, I am healed, I am whole, I am saved in Jesus' name. Highly favored, anointed, filled with his power. God's not still God because you didn't feel something. Some people think if you if you don't have a tear uh, in your eye or cold chills, oh man, I love that. I love that stuff, y'all. I love to feel the cold chills, but man, I'm telling you what, when you served in church as long as I have, and as long as some of you have, you feel that mess every Sunday. Amen? You don't feel that stuff every Sunday. But you know what you have to do? You gotta worship. You still gotta go and worship because God's still God. Just because you didn't feel nothing doesn't mean that he's not still God. Worship, he's emotional and can be emotional, but emotion will not guarantee you worship. It's like Greg said last week. I did go back and listen. He said, uh, the guy said, uh, if you go on and worship, maybe you will feel something. Try. Try. You knock someone off. Because you know why? Because I'm up here every week. I won't call you out by name, but I see who worships and who don't worship. And I'm saying, try. 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 You might like it. You might like it. You might like it. Worship is not confined to one day a week. somebody or it may even be you that you did you put your power in on Sunday and you don't pay God any mind for the next six days. You don't pray, you don't worship, you don't do it, you 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 gonna get there on Sunday morning and you expect to get 
get everything that's got, God's got for you in one hour on Sunday morning. It's not confined to one day a week. It should be something we do every day. It's been said that it's not how high you jump but how straight you walk when you hit the ground. Listen, some, some come and you live like sin the rest of the time. You come in here and put on a good show for everybody, but you're like those people that I was talking about uh, earlier when Jesus said these people honor me with their mouth and their lips, but their hearts are far from me. I hope it's not you, but unfortunately I'm sure there's some It's not how high you jump, but it's how straight you walk when you hit the ground. And that the best public worship is that which promotes the best private Christianity. So in other words, if you're worshiping on Sunday, that should be an absolute reflection of what's going on six, the other six days of the week. You should be living what you're worshiping. Worship. Now we're going to talk about what worship is. And we've talked about what worship is not. Now we're going to talk about what worship is. Worship is a response to God. When we worship God, we are responding to Him. 1 John 4.19 says, We love Him because He first loved us. We, we love Him because He first loved us. Because God loved us called us and saved us and provided for us, we respond to his love and mercy and his saving power by declaring what? Worthy in worship. Just as much as we declare it to our Tar Heels, to our Duke fans, to our, to our football team, just as much, no, 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 more, more. If you can yell for the Tar Heels and you can't yell for God, something's wrong. Worship is a response. Worship is that which values him above everyone and everything. He's the most important part of your life. Worship is declaring worth and value. There are people in this room that I highly value. My wife, my kid, my in-laws. I've got close friends in here. I value all of you. You're my family. You're my church family. I value all. Obviously, my my wife and kids, I value more. Sorry, but I do. But I do not worship them. I do not worship them. I, I value them, and, and they have a high value in my eyes. But I value God more because he's absolutely worthy and supremely valuable in my eyes. When Jesus, when they asked Jesus, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? He told them in Mark 12, 30, he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first and greatest commandment. We can't, no matter how much we love our families, we can't, we can't love our Lord and God. That's a hard thing to do. That's extremely hard to do because we get so attached to what we can see, what we can feel, things that are tangible. God's saying, you have to love me that you cannot see, you 
you have my faith and never loved me more. You can't see me, you can't touch me, but you have to love me more than you love your own faith. Jesus said, don't be fooled. I didn't come to bring a sword, or I didn't come to bring uh, peace. I came to bring a sword. I came to bring division. To put a mother against her daughter-in-law, a son against his uh, son-in-law, or a father against his son-in-law, daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. He come to bring division. Why? Because what he's saying there is if you love me more, there's going to be people in your life that you're going to have to get rid of. There's going to be people in your life that you can't be a part of their life, and I don't care who they are. God said, I, don't. I know we live in a, in a society where family is so important, and family is saying is when you begin to put the family before God, you begin to have problems. You begin to worship your children or worship your family and not God. That's, I mean, that's the word of God. That's, that's not Jason speaking. That's the word of truth. Worship is a choice. You have to choose your worship. We just talked about this. You don't always have a feeling. You don't always get the goosebumps running up the spine. Sometimes you just got worship. Sometimes you got the Holy Grail to you come in here, you're down and out, and it's, you know, worship. Worship is a weapon. Worship, if you begin, to, the Bible says, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. If you put on some praise, if you put on some worship, man, you lift yourself out of your own ways. Worship is a choice. Isaiah 12, 6 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. Cry out and shout, thou inhabitant of Zion. Why? For great is the Holy Lord of Israel in the midst of thee. I will bless the Lord at all times. When you read these, these, these stories in the Bible, these guys do not bless the Lord because they felt like it. If you read the story of King Josiah over in Chronicles, you'll find, or Second Chronicles, you'll find that King Josiah was surrounded by his enemies. No, King Josiah was surrounded by his enemies on every side, but he was a man of God. And God said, the war is not yours, the battle is not yours, it is the Lord's. And what does King Josiah He sent the band out to praise. He sent the, the singers out front out in front of all the archers, out in front of all, it'd be like us singing Rushwood Choir out in front of the tanks. And saying, now sing and praise, and God's going to deliver you. You think he felt like that? You think he felt like worshiping God at a time like that? No, he had to choose. He chose. Worship is giving, not getting. When you come here, something, we ain't got much to give. We got Jesus to give. But you should come to give. This is a time for you to come and give. It's a time for you to come and declare his word in your life. It's a, it's a, it's a, it is giving, not giving. Alright, now let's talk about why. I love this one. Why we worship. I can find some 
13, 15 says, Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. We're to worship him verbally. We're to speak worship and praise to our Savior. We're to worship him physically. This is where we get, this is where we get called up in the cobwebs here because nobody wants to, nobody wants to raise their hands because we're super next to us and who's going to see me or I just don't feel like it. I just don't feel like the Lord. But the Bible instructs us to raise our hands. That Psalms 47 1 says, oh, clap your hands. We did that earlier. When I so mess you up on that one song, I saw the light. But we, y'all got rid of it. Y'all clapped. Y'all helped me. Clap your hands, all you peoples. Shout to God with the voice of triumph. Shout. We got some shouters in here. Amen, huh? We got some shouters in here. I'm grateful for them because it's encouraging. Psalm 63, 4 says, Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands 
in your name. Psalms 132 says, lift up your hands in the sanctuary. Where? In the sanctuary. In the sanctuary. And bless the Lord. Lift up your hands. And let's be glued to your side. You need to be lifting up your hands. You know, we talked about, we talked about difference in style. We talked about difference in music. And then we talked about, you know what? I saw the light. That was a fun song. We can clap hands with that song. We can have fun. We do a lot of songs like that. We try to open every service like that where we clap hands and get y'all warmed up and get y'all involved in what's going on. And then ultimately our goal is to lead you into worship. I guarantee you, Julia, when she picks out songs, she is always thinking of songs that will lead She's not trying to think of songs that you like. I'm sorry. She's trying to think of songs that exalt and magnify the name of the Lord. Great are you, Lord. Great are you, Lord. It's your breath in our lungs, and we pour out our prayers. That's, her, that's the thought process behind it. It's easy to sing a song. It's easy to have fun and sing a song. But boy, when we get a song that's worshipful, it's a different So I'm going to do this song. Hey, what, what good is a worship sermon if you don't have a challenge to worship? So we're going to do this song. It's a song you know. It's a song you know. Or at least the chorus is a song you know. <laughs> so you got no reason to not sing the chorus. It's not only a song you know, it's something you've sang for years. Passed down through the church. Got no reason to not sing along. But what I want you to do is here's how our mindset should be when we worship. We should come in this place with our eyes on God. Not worried about the people around us. Not worried about how I may look in front of them. Not worried about what so and so wore. And I can't believe he wore tennis shoes on stage. But to have our eyes. And to worship him because of all the things I said. Do you have breath? Do you have life? When you, when you begin to think about this, I want you to think about God and the goodness of God. I want you to think about where you were. Man, I remember. I remember who I was. I remember what a no good, low down, dirty rascal I was before Jesus saved my soul. I remember that and I remember it well. It means a lot to me. The God of the universe, the creator of all things, was mindful of this sorry people that came and chose me and saved me. You think about the goodness. Think of where you're at surrounded by people. Think about where you're at in the free America. You don't have anybody standing out those doors to blow you away with the sheep. You're surrounded by family most of you. You're going to leave this place and get in a car that's probably a nice car. You're going to turn on heat if you're cold or air if you're hot. You're going to go to a restaurant and eat 
more than enough, I'm sure. Then you're going to drive from there and go home. And some of you may have fleeting moments you're going to go eat. But then you're going to go home and lay down on the couch or something, watch TV or watch football, and rest in a nice home, on a nice couch, surrounded by your family who's got good health. And when we come to church, those are the things we need to be thinking about. God, you're so good to me. God, I'm nothing, and, and I've been so terrible, and I'm so unworthy, but God, you're so good to me. You're so good to me. Now, this is a challenge. I want you to stand. And I want you to sing that chorus. It's a worshipful chorus. sing it. I want you to sing it like you mean it, and I want you to sing it to Him. Don't sing because you're worried about being too loud, or don't not sing because you're worried about being too loud. I want you to sing, and I dare you to raise your hands and worship the Lord in this place. The chorus is simply like this.
get stronger and stronger and stronger and week in, week out they'll come in here and worship more and worship and not be ashamed of lifting their hands and magnifying the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. We praise you for all your goodness. Go with us now. Keep us safe, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed. Don't forget about the giving boxes on